0: This conversation is brought to you in part by Calavo Growers, the family of fresh.
1: Hey everybody, how are you? Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, thank you so much for hanging out with us. Excited to have my guest with me hanging out today. We've been going back and forth talking about stuff. We finally made some time for each other to hang out a little bit. I'm excited to talk about what's going on at the International Fresh Produce Association. Kind of give everybody a little 411, what's going on, what George is all about, what he's been doing. This should be a fun conversation. And again, thank you for joining us. I appreciate it. So everybody, get it up. For the director, love your title, dude. I can't wait to talk about this. I love your title. For the director, production, supply chain, environmental policy, keeper of the keys, know where the bodies are. I don't even know how many more things are in your title, dude. I don't even know. It's a bunch of work. First I really do his not name. work. Yeah. When do you, yeah, first of all, when do you not work all day? Anyways, welcome, George Spansky. Come, on. Dude, welcome for being here, man. Uh, I appreciate so much, you. And I'm glad to be here. Dude, I, first, we got to talk about your last name because we got to come together on this, right? Because I got Lenski and you got your last name and my original last name that I found out through, you know, uh, the kind of the family history lesson that we went through was actually Cheslinski, right? With an I at the end. And when they came over to this country, when the great 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 greats came over here, they dropped the Chess and they dropped the I and replaced it with the Y because they wanted to kind of fit into this country and make a make a uh, uh, a life for themselves, which is really interesting. But you guys, your family stayed right in the paint. You guys didn't deviate we anywhere. Kept on
2: that bad boy. We kept it. We kept the the zebra cat zebra, the ZCZ. Um, yeah. I've got, I've got a four year old daughter. She thinks her last name is Pansky. She's due for such a rude surprise when she. Uh, <laughs> Catches up to writing things out, but uh, good, good company at, at IFPA with uh, with Max Plitsky, uh, our web guy Jim Raczynski. So we've, we've we're got a squad in the office.
1: Well, and, and you know, I'll say it because I'm Polish and I can say it, right? I don't have any problem. Do you know why Pollock send their name in SKI? <laughs> What's that? Because they can't spell toboggan. <laughs> okay, I'm done. I'm done. I'm gonna send that one to my dad who uh, in college was DJ Ski. Yeah, you absolutely. You may borrow that. Dude, let's get into this a little bit. Give everybody a little bit, if you wouldn't mind, just tell everybody kind of what your journey and your bio is a little bit to hanging out with you today.
2: Oh, man. Well, it, it's kind of crazy for me to think that uh, it's it's a long journey already. Um, in college at St. Joe's, I was an intern for New Jersey Department of Agriculture uh, for the, the Jersey Fresh program. Um, and that really got me into the, the industry. And, and people right from the get were Tell me, produce industry, you get in, you're going to be hooked. Um, they were right that first time that I, I kind of put my toe in the water. Um, you know, a couple of weeks later, months later after that ended, I was at the first student program at Fresh Summit, the first Career Pathways program. Ah. Um, so I'm I'm the oldest Career Pathways alum, um, but always try and show some love to to that gang. Um after college, sold grapes for a few years with an outfit on the East Coast called Jack Vandenberg that yeah. taught me what it's really like to uh, to show up. You know, I worked at Holt Terminal in Gloucester. And uh, my first day, they were like, look, some nights uh, we're going to fumigate the grapes and you got to leave by 8 p.m. And I thought, why would I work until 8 p.m.? So that's when I really got into the produce industry. <laughs> um, did a Mexican grape deal and thought, you know, I'm I'm going to take a break from this. Um, Mexican great deal. Another thing that just changed my life working in, in Nogales, um, decided to go to the university of Delaware and get another degree and said, oh man, I'm right down the street from, uh, yeah, there's my East coast showing. straight down the street from PMA. I'll get a job there. I'll work for a couple of years, meet everybody in the industry. And 12 years later, 12 years later, um, it's been a great place to work so now when I started I I sold the spaces our trade show so uh we'll, I'm sure we'll get into it later but so excited to be at the big show again so soon um yeah it's, it's the jump off for the industry but doing that getting into the the uh, trade show part of things I did trade show for a while. Um, I was business development recruiting new members I worked on the membership team but years ago I told Kathy, uh, when I feel the most energized and the most jazzed about our work and about the industry, it's when I'm talking about the issues, talking about government relations. Yeah. Um, and we just, you know, there wasn't more roles to do that at PMA. And when the new org was announced, Kathy pulled me and, and said, you know, we're ready to give you a shot. Um, we've got, you know, room on the roster. So it's has nice. been a huge change. This has this um, been, uh, uh, and you saw that that job title encompasses a lot. Part of why I'm here today is because a lot of where my time is, the majority of where my time is is spent thinking about organics and the way IFPA steps it up for organics. So,
1: yeah, well, let's talk, let's talk a little bit about, because again, yeah. you know, you've got production, supply chain, and environmental policy, in your title. I mean, literally that's, that's an all day job, seven days a week, eight days a week, whatever you want to say. There's a lot, there's a lot there. So talk a little bit about your roles and responsibility underneath that. So, so people get some perspective of, you know, how full your plate is.
2: Absolutely. Well, it, and I'm a registered lobbyist now, which is part of that government relations. When you look congratulations. At our- congratulations. Thank you. Thank you. Um, did, you, get you the, heard- did they teach you the hand? Do you get the secret handshake, too? Oh, yeah. I, I mean, I'll, I'll show you. Yeah, later. don't worry about it. Yeah, don't worry about it. Uh, when you look <laughs> at our, our lobbyists, you know, John Holly is working on the, the labor and immigration workforce piece. Um, Molly Van Loo is just exceptional at locking down our nutrition policy. Um, so a lot of what's left where I'm filling the gaps beyond that organics piece is looking at, at grower concerns and and where we can uh, weigh in on the production side of things. You know, a lot of other turning wheels um, and supply chain. Supply chain is my boss, Rebecca Adcock, um, usually refers to supply chain the way that um, uh, infrastructure was was talked about, you know, a couple of years ago when is it infrastructure week? Supply chain is everything right now. Yeah. Um, so that that's touching everything. I think everybody in the team has their hands on that, but really when I, when I thinking about where I can add value for this squad um, it's about working with the growers directly. Um, a lot, like I said, a lot of that time is dedicated to organics because IPA is trying to step it up in a way that our legacy associations that the industry hasn't really seen associations represent organics in the past. So that includes um, you know, legislative work, working with Congress, when there's a bill to be talked about, a lot of time getting to know who uh, who's making decisions from USDA, and mm-hmm. a lot of time working with our organics committee, who is, is really the driving force in where we take Our strategy with regard to organics and how we craft messaging when we're working with when we're talking out to our members, but especially when we're going back to USDA to the National Organic Program, to the NOSB and and representing the voice of our collective and bringing the weight of that to those conversations, Um, they're the people that are providing input as our first stop to say you know here's what we need as a produce industry and here's how we've got to show up in these conversations differently from other groups that that don't have the same supply chain and proju- production concerns that we do in in organic fresh produce that's that's a little different yeah well look the organic thing's
1: a, it, it's an interesting it's an interesting um uh job ahead of you right because you're 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 right you're dealing you're dealing with an industry that is uh splintered you're dealing with an industry that's deeply divided and a lot of issues um, there's, there's folks in this industry that want to see the industry go backwards, scale down, become more elitist. There's a faction that want to see the industry grow. And, and, and how are we going to feed 9.5 billion people, better food? Um, it's an interesting perspective for you guys, because you're kind of, you know, you're on both sides of the, of, of, uh, the business because of what, who you guys represent. So when you think about issues in the category, and we'll just stick on the organic thing for a bit, cause we're on it. You know, when you guys look at issues from your perspective, what's front and center that, you know, within your group that you think is incredibly important?
2: You know, right now it, it's, it's exciting in the GR space that things um, things turn pretty quickly. And, and I'm thinking a lot about uh, how we're interacting with USDA, but I think two things that two things, two two broad headings where we're really spending <laughs> a lot of time, you know, the USDA hit this summer announced so much funding um, for the the framework to transform the food industry. And a lot of that, you know, big chunk, $300 million, nothing to sneeze at um, for organic transition uh, initiative funding. Digging in on that funding, understanding where it's going to go, how it's going to be used, and how our members can utilize it is important. Um, it, it's what really caught me by surprise or, or really was just a, a shocking statistic when that came out and USDA put it front and center that in the past 15 years, the number of farms applying to transition to organic has decreased 70%. And that blew me away. And when you talked a little bit about um, how we have a unique perspective, I always appreciate the fact that we represent the supply chain through from the producer to the retailer. That means part of it is we want to see organics and grocery store shelves. We're not we're not just farmers market size distribution. We need to look at scale distribution. And I think for the people that believe in the mission of organics and and in what it can do for um, our farming system, the way that we treat uh, the environment uh, as a part of that, bringing that to scale has got to be a good thing. And I I know we walk into conversations about that. And and there are times where I feel like we've got a strike against us for representing um, major broad-scale agriculture. I think that that's got to be part of the solution. That's not the issue with organics.
0: Thanks for joining the Todd Versation. And now, a word from our sponsor. Hi, this is Nelia Alamo at Calabo. Thanks for listening to Todd Versations. At Calabo, we are the family of fresh. For almost a hundred years, our passion has been bringing delicious and nutritious food to your table. From tasty, wholesome produce to our freshly prepared foods, Calavo is a global leader in the finest quality produce and a pioneer of healthy, fresh-cut fruits, vegetables, and prepared foods. Whether it's our farm-fresh avocados, tomatoes, Hawaiian papayas, or chef-inspired solutions including fresh-cut fruits, veggies, guacamole, and much more, Calavo takes pride in delivering our fabulously fresh products every day. It's our promise from our foodie family to yours. Check us out at Calabo.com and learn why we are excited about your fresh possibilities ahead.
1: Well, I, yeah, I, dude, I don't disagree. And I mean, I, you know, I, I think this us versus them mentality that that we live in this world now, right? It's so tribal. It's so you either, believe in, you either believe in what I believe in or I can't even look at you in the face any longer. It's just such bullshit. I mean, it doesn't win the day. And to your point, there's so much value that agriculture can bring to make positive changes back to this planet. And let's be honest, there's a lot that agriculture has done to screw it up, too. So let's, you know, let's not, you know, let's not give everybody a pat on the back. But there's things yeah. we have to change. Right. And, and, and I think that when you know, we talk about climate. We talk about energy. We talk about carbon. We talk about feeding people. And, you know, I, I firmly believe that there's no reason why organic can't feed the planet. Right. A hundred percent. Right. It, it got us here. If you go back in time. You know they weren't they weren't using Roundup back in time, right? I mean, you know, 200 years ago, everything was organically grown, right? But and and the country scaled through that methodology. And so now it's just a matter of trying to harness that, get our arms around it. But I think to your point, um, driving organic um, consumption is incredibly important. Driving fruit and vegetable consumption. I always believe driving consumption is is. Let's get people to eat an apple, and my job and my role is to get people to eat the organic one, right? But I want you to eat the apple first, and I think that's really important. I know that that's a lot of, I believe, probably what you guys believe as well, right? Because any any consumption forward is positive, but we do have an issue where we've got to come together and we've got to make sure that that we are looking forward um, with our farming methodology, and you know, and the people that are in charge. To your point, you know, there's 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 a, there's a lot of things brewing around to the USDA and the NOP and the NOSB. That makes some sense. There's some things that don't make some sense. And I think these conversations need to be brought to the forefront. So I appreciate, you know, you guys stepping up in a bigger role and um, trying to embrace this. I think it's important. I think the timing is right. I, I, again, I go back to what I said about the splintered mentality that this industry has is like incredibly dangerous uh, and it's becoming more and more. You take a look at what's happening with ag technology. It's going to start to splinter even more now with some of the things that you're reading and seeing. It's going to be an interesting time to watch. When, you know, Thinking about all this and, and sitting here on my soapbox, you know, spouting off a touch. But what do you think? You know, folks really need to be mindful of about organics and in the process that we work under. I mean, I touched on the NOSB a little bit, but you know, in regards to that, you know, what do you think? Or what do you think people need to be reminded, remark- You know, be thinking about.
2: Well, you know, it depends on who the people are in that conversation. But I'd say to our members, uh, one of the messages that I want to bring, and and like I said, I've been in produce for for fifteen or maybe closer to 20 years let's see but organics hasn't always been um you know my top focus in that time and as I'm really taking out the magnifying glass and and reading the uh, the old technical reports and and digging in on the policy what I would want to tell our members and, and let people know is that you know you've got to uh, you've got to speak your tell your story but also speak to the receiver and i think that when we get into these conversations and and we find ourselves in in that tribalism scenario there's a lot of of ways that we can um can come in and be pushy and use use that terminology that's going to set somebody up and and hear me as the other and they're just going to tune out right. um, you know i'm i'm a pretty positive person i'm still very proud of my camden catholic high school class optimist uh notif- notation my yeah what's that superlative? Yeah. Um, I want to bring, I, I think we're doing incredible things. I think this industry is doing great things. I I don't like the, um, you know, as, as an individual, but I, I think that this parlays and what the association does with organics. Don't like seeing things um, just getting ruled out and pushed out in, in the name of, of dogmatism and, and narrowing the, the funnel. When I think this food system needs and deserves a really broad array of techniques and people to try and fail and try and succeed so we can see what's working mm-hmm. um, organics has, has a great history of that and i had a uh, an excellent conversation with uh, an organic farmer um that we're, we're just doing more with at the association level now and she told me about transitioning her father's farm to organic and you know this is what this is what organic farming is and what farming is seeing what's working better on one field as to the other and saying, Hey, that's working on the organic field. I'm going to put it on my conventional fields too. You know, it's mm-hmm. Organic versus conventional. Isn't the, uh, the be all and end all. It's, it's, it's about taking what we've learned, how we can do better and applying it where it needs to go. Um, you know, I, I think when there's, there's just wins to be had and we can't, we can't count out our wins if they're uh, if they're not fitting into a square box. Well,
1: 100% agree. I mean, you can take a look and we can get into it a little bit. I mean, you take a look at some of the stuff that's coming out that the industry is presenting back to the trade. You know, when you think about climate smart and, and reading through some of the documentation that's coming out, you know, from the NOSB on climate smart, right? There's not one mention in their climate smart document about water, and it's such a disconnect from the reality of what's happening. It, it's mind blowing, you know, mind blowing to me to think that that's not on the table in conversation with them, as well as talking about alternative agriculture, not one mention of greenhouse agriculture in their document, which again is really, I I think so short-minded. And I think it just does us no good because it, it, now it becomes, we're isolating people. You've got a whole group of people that are farming, making, producing good food. And I think we have to be mindful of that, right? At the end of the day, yes, we want to save the planet. Yes, we want to reduce resources. I get all that and I'm not absolutely 100. I am 100% behind all that, but we still have to feed people, right? That's the ultimate goal is getting people better food, safer, cleaner food that makes a difference to this planet. And I think we're losing track of that in a lot of ways. So I think it's very important that we get to participate in the process. That's the beauty of this, right? People can participate. People can speak at these meetings. People can say, I think this is bullshit. I think this is great. I commend you for this. Why did you do that? It's terribly important. I mean, again, I look at that document and think, you didn't talk about water that is such a disconnect with the reality of climate. Um, it's shocking to me in some way. So I'm glad to see that, we you know, these conversations are being elevated.
2: Yeah. Well, and, and when you think about something specific like water, I, I just think that it's where we need a diversity of voices in these conversations. 100%. I mean, anybody in California, and they're going to forget about water uh, when we talk about how to take care of the environment, how we can farm in a climate smart way. But from the flip side, I'm here in the mid Atlantic. I'm, I'm in Delaware right now. I'm, I'm, you know, lived in Jersey and Philly and the the idea of doing you know uh, urban agriculture at scale in a way that can can grow leafy greens or berries or, or herbs really close to the urban areas that are, are on the i-95 corridor or close to where mm-hmm. I live I think that's really appealing and I, I, I you know if, if you could do a really great job growing something with with a limited number of inputs and diesel in California and then you put it on a truck, halfway across the, well, all the way across the country, you know, there's something to be said for those food miles too, right? Trust me, we need producers in California to continue serving me here in Delaware. And, and absolutely, all the better, but if we can add to that food mix with things that are coming from very close by that we just don't have the land to do in a traditional field, I think it's, I think it makes sense. You know, I just well, don't It's, ine-
1: it's inevitable, in right? it's inevitable.
2: Yeah. Right.
1: I mean, I think that's a big thing. It's inevitable. I mean, you know, you, you, you have a lack of water in California. You're in, you know, good, good things, you know, a down current economy forces innovation, lack of water forcing innovation, right? Climate issues forcing innovation. It's all a part of that process. And I think it's yeah. important that we start to embrace it. And again, look, not all technology is good. I'll be the first one in a minute. There's some shit going on out there that scares people, right? Scares me. It's like, really? That's a little bit aggressive. But there's a lot of really things that are positive. And when you look at climate smart agriculture, um, it's hard to look away from it and think that it's some bad, evil thing. And, it, you know, and when it comes, I think the organic industry, especially we need to be embracing this, not running from it. And that's what I see a lot of us doing is, we're, you know, a lot of folks are running from this technology because they are caught up in this narrative of it's gotta be this or it's nothing. And, and it's dangerous because I just want to feed as many people as we can, good, clean, organic food, bottom yep. line. That's, that's the premise for me and try to do better for the planet.
2: Well, and you mentioned the um, Climate Smart Agriculture, we, we're the recipient, IPA is the recipient of a Climate Smart, one of the partnerships for Climate Smart Agriculture grants um, from USDA. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, Dr. Max can get into the, the nitty gritty with that. But a big part of it is, you know, we're seeing where we can take Climate Smart Agricultural practices, apply them in our fields. Um, you know, we'll be using that that money to, to go to producers to defray the cost of them implementing these um these practices. But we've got in this industry, in the produce industry, we've got this balance of um what's what's really challenging for us can also be our opportunity as well. You know, it's challenging that we have this unique set of circumstances with the diverse regions and commodities that we're growing, mm-hmm. um, where, where it's not just you know one kind of weather in, in one part of the country, it's all diverse and there's a ton of investment dollars going into row crops. Well where can we learn from them? Where yeah. can we take the the unique um and it, it's not going to translate perfectly. And that's part of the spirit. Like I said, Dr. Max has the the fine details, but part of the spirit is this is where, where can we take these ideas for how to do better and how to do a better job um and in a way that's productive, that can can you know lift us up um, while taking care of the climate. How can we apply that in our in our fields? And it's so much is right out there, um, yeah. it also reflective of of Vani Estes. The um, there was a technology um, uh, incubator that that are, we were working and it's the same idea. Where can we take these ideas that may have. Started and generated outside of the produce industry. How can we bring it in? It's an incredible opportunity. When there's investment there, we've got to tweak it. We've got to take those who know in our industry to make it right. But it's out there waiting for us. And yeah. I, I think it's exciting. I think that's something to be enthused about and and to say there's there's open there's blue sky in this um, in this kind of activity. Yeah, I totally agree. And,
1: I, and you know, and something I'm excited about it's you know it's 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 what these folks are doing today that's going to be used in 5 years that i'm excited about it's like it's like what they're learning that's going to benefit us as a whole 5 years from now. i think it's just so important that we remember that like you know that, that that innovation takes time innovation takes money it takes investment it takes retailers saying we want to be a part of this it takes retailers saying why we want to be a part of this helping educate consumers i mean it's a process that everybody needs to buy into to keep food on the shelves because that what if factor of, of supply. I mean, I think the, you know, the war in Ukraine, you take a look at what it's done to food prices because of the fertilizer, some of the things that not necessarily so much affecting us here, but certainly affecting other parts of this world. Those are things to be mindful of. Food security, food insecurity are conversations we don't have enough of, especially when it comes around food insecurity, because a country that's food insecure has a huge security problem. And you know it's important that we lean into that as a country and recognize that these things that may not be perfect today when it comes to this type of agriculture may not be perfect, may not be doing everything we need it to do. Maybe it will, maybe it won't, but we got to buy into it. We got to believe in it because we just don't know what the future is going to hold. And this is going to be a part of that future for sure.
2: Absolutely. I mean, you think about, about food insecurity and I, I still think it's about our ability to get, to get food to the people, to get it. At a price that they can afford, you know, these are all arguments for why producing sure. food at scale has got to be a part of the equation. Um, as long as we're thinking about um, that diet and nutrition and and health part of the equation, um, I've got to reference the uh, the White House conference on nutrition that happened and, and yeah. the rule that it just shows again, so much opportunity for our industry to step up and really glad for Kathy and Molly Van Lu's leadership in that space, talking about our moonshot. There's eight priorities that we've got for how we can really address uh, hunger and diet related disease in this country. And I think it, you know, it's clear that, that a lot of that goes hand in hand where there are people that can't eat. There's an availability of things that, that are not, you know, it's not just a lack of calories. It's also a lack of um, good calories of, of meaningful nutrition that's going yeah. on, day. And, you know, who better than the produce industry to rise up with that. So,
1: well, um, well look the produce, I, you know, I, you take a look at produce as a whole in the grocery store, what it's about the experience that it provides people, right? You can touch and feel your fruit. You can decide what smells good, what doesn't smell good. Um, you know, then you throw organics in the mix where people are now shopping because it's got some connectivity to them, whether it's a morals or values play, I believe they believe it's something more, they're making a contribution in a way that they can use their dollars to do that. I think it's incredibly powerful and we need to be leaning into that. We need to be increasing these conversations, you know, and and working to drive positive consumption, right? We need, I mean, it's such an important part of, to your point about supply chain, driving consumption, again, get them to eat the apple, convince them to eat the organic one, right? There's kind of the mantra that I go by, but you know, an issue that I really believe in and something that we keep bringing up on this platform and keep working with, talking with folks about is consumption and how to drive consumption, right? You know, you drive consumption, you eliminate food waste in some ways. Um, so it's always front of mind here. Can you talk a little bit about what you guys are doing about consumption, you know, here and abroad through the through the platform of IFPA?
2: Yeah, I I'm I'm glad you brought that up. And I I I love again, I'm I'm really um impressed by the work that that Kathy and Molly Van Lu have done on the policy side. I mean that's that's a consumption. You know, we talk about supply chain being all encompassing consumption is going to take the cake there. Um, But there's so many facets to it. So I think that um, where that white house conference and the nutrition work as the policy end, I still think that the, the part that we, uh, we crack through in a big way that, you know, I'm so policy focused, but, the events bring people together to to keep it flowing to retail in a way that's gonna um it, it, you, words that we used in the uh, event space when i was more there excite and delight um, right. you know that that's what we want to do at the events as as event providers but that's something that we've got to keep doing you know yeah. we're not going to win uh the 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 war to get into the shopping cart by telling people that it's nutritious um and, and the nutrition people know that too you know what's yeah finding opportunities to, to break through at retail. I feel like I've, you should be telling me about that, but you'll find those opportunities to break through at retail and really um, really stand out and, and and make consumers want to come back for more. When I started at the association, uh, Brian Silverman gave the state of the industry, one of my first years on staff, and he was talking about flavor. And I I'm sitting here as some young guy new to the industry. And I thought, Flavor, like I don't know, we grow it and then we sell it. Like, what do we have to do with flavor? Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, as an industry, we 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 have the opportunity to wow people with flavor. I have a, a bowl of seeded grapes here, which I will not delight you with watching me eat right now. Thank you. But yeah, you know, it, it's it's that. As a former grape salesman, um, I have a delicious uh, Thompson seedless, and that's great. And then I bite into a Concord grape, and it's like, where am I? I'm. I'm I Mincoked mean, mass, you know, like it's just transformative. It, it's sure. something that's a part of it. So, I think making those breakthroughs at retail um, and, and bring the supply chain, you know, doing even something simple like flavor, the, having the breeders in the room, having the the shippers in the room, bring together the whole supply chain has an impact on that. How we cut through to consumers, build that experience up, so that they're coming back again and again and spending more time. Um, and dollars, frankly, in, in the produce section. See, the other part is where we lean in uh, on culture. And part of, of the way that we've done that, I think about our activations at South by Southwest um, and you know what we call there and what we're extending beyond that space, the joy of fresh and finding ways to... And we did joy of fresh at the Washington conference and brought mm-hmm. the joy of fresh to Capitol Hill as well. You've taken these opportunities to influence culture um, and to influence the way uh, the conversation around around fresh food and, and eating and experiencing the joy of fresh, you know that's another place where where we're leaning in that adds to the consumption overall. But it's it's about reinforcing attitudes on on produce being exciting and vibrant and sexy and, and delicious. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I think that that's the, the it's almost hard to nail down the consumption equation because there's, there's so many facets to it. But, um, I, I guess that's at the end of the day, breaking through to retail and having a good consumer experience is what's going to really, um, keep us moving in the right direction.
1: Oh, well, it's a hundred percent. And, you know, flavors, everything. And I, you know, look, we, we, there's a lot of things that are grown to just ship, not necessarily eat. And, um, that doesn't necessarily win the day. I understand why I get the yield. I get all the things that these guys at the growers are facing, um, the challenges that they have, the pressure that's put back on them to figure out how to make something cheaper, which in my opinion, food shouldn't be the conversation based around cheap food should be a conversation based about how we're going to you know, do it right and how we're going to make it nutritious. And to your point flavorful, because you know, you have a crappy cherry tomato and you try to serve it to a kid you're out, right? And that's a one and done experience. But if you can get one that's got some decent flavor that's worked, you know, you can have a customer for life. And I think we've got to be mindful of that.
2: Yeah, I'm. you talk about cherry tomatoes. I have a, a two-year-old little boy who uh, will walk out into our garden, which is, is two four by four plots. So big time production. Um, and he will eat, you know, his little guy and he'll pick, you know, 15 cherry tomatoes off the plant and eat them. Um, when, uh, you, you know, I'm, I'm a product, like I said I was a product of, Uh, jersey fresh of local promotion and of imported produce and when i talk to my friends outside the produce industry and they want to know you know like what's the trick you know how am i going to get the best flavored stuff well what's great is when i can tell them hey the best deals and the best flavor it's not from you know it's it's not just local it's not just imports or something it's it's in the heart of the season when it goes on deal because, you know, they're flooded with grapes because it was the right time to pick them and the right time to ship them. And, and those cherry tomatoes. It's the right time to eat them. But I think, you know, part of that equation uh, for me and the way IFPA approaches things and the way that that we see things expressing themselves at retail is having that diversity, having it represented. It. Again, it's such a complicated food system. We, we can't have one thing, rise the occasion or, you know, throughout the winter here in the East coast, we're going to be eating potatoes and apples and carrots. And I want all them and I want to eat them all winter, but I know that my, my two-year-old, my four-year-old are going to want berries too. And that's part part of the way consumer expectations
1: roll. Yeah. For a hundred percent, let's shift gears a little bit and talk a little bit more about some of the work that you guys are doing. One area that I know is, is a hot button topic that, that continues to drag on, And that's a topic around, you know, workforce and labor and uh, even immigration to put into that topic. Right. And I mean, it it is such a it's to me, after all of these years of listening and hearing and and posturing and the finger pointing and this and that, I'm shocked we just can't even I I don't know. It's it's like we can't even try to get it wrong to try to get it right. We just don't (laughs) get anything done, period. You know, so talk to me a little bit about you know, and look. This has been a problem that you guys have been dealing with for a long time. So this isn't like something you just flipped over a page. And go, oh, this is our topic of the day. But talk a little bit about what you guys are doing at IFPA about that topic and its importance to you guys.
2: You know, the uh, my colleague John Holly leads a lot of our policy efforts in this case. And um, you know, aside from soil or no soil, I think it's about the most contentious thing um, that you know can can possibly uh, be discussed on. On that squad, I guess soil or no soil probably pales in comparison. But as an depends you on know, who an, an organics guy, it's a uh, top of mind. The energy and excitement and momentum after we have um, the Farm Workforce Modernization Act passed in the House and bipartisan discussions talking about that in the Senate, um, it's real and it, it's something where there's excitement behind it um, cautious optimism. Uh, like I said, John Ho- Holly is tireless in keeping on this and keeping the focus in the Senate and telling them, you know, ag labor is something that, that we need that is mm-hmm. essential. There's, there's no, um, GT Thompson, the, the ranking member in the house, um, calls it, a uh, uh, essential labor, you know, it's, it's, mm-hmm. uh, we just can't can't we it's it's an intractable problem that we've got to change um but like you said it, it's contentious and we're in an election year and that that puts the squeeze on things in a number of ways really trying to um to get something in the senate before uh before the end of the session so so a lot of a lot of push we're right we're uh, optimistic is is wrong because you know there's challenges but uh, you know, we're getting creative too. So we're we're part of the uh, alliance for new immigration consensus. And I think coming from the produce association background, I tend to think of these alliances where we're pulling together uh, the regional groups. And and when we would work together back in the day with CPMA and United as PMA, um, it's a lot different in the DC space. And this alliance for new immigration consensus is working with um a broad scope of people from business leaders inside and outside of ag right. um, even uh faith leaders so that you've got you're showing a diverse group of people who are saying hey we want to push forward on this issue it's not just affecting one corner of of the population so i, I think that the the fine point that i put on it is that we're tireless we're right. we're going to keep pushing and there's still room for optimism um even when it's been going on this long and we've got people talking uh, in the Senate on both sides of the aisle. So I think that that's where we're, again, that, that class optimist is peeking out. You're an here. optimist, baby. You're an we, optimist. Hey, we we've got to, we got to lift each other up and keep it moving. So you well, can't say enough about how he's putting a, a good nuanced approach on it.
1: Yeah, no, look, you're hundred percent right. We've got to, I, I look at it like we just get something done and let us figure out what you did right? I mean, because I think that's the way this industry adapts to everything, right? Because look, you're an industry that adapts on a daily basis to what mother nature throws at you, bottom line. So this is like, in some ways, not that big of a deal. When you think about mother nature being the one that you're really competing with in a lot of ways every day and working with every day. So I think it's important though, that we get to the point of getting some resolution around this and, you know, and and get involved. You're right. It's a political issue. People don't want to touch it. They're afraid to touch it. They feel like it divides them. It puts them in a bad light. It puts them in a good light. I mean, it's just nuts. I mean, we Again, it's just about how do we win the day and better, you know, our country? How do we, how do we do it? How are we going to make it, you know, a better place for all of us? And it's just about tackling issues like this. You know, one of the big things too, that, that you guys are involved in, and I don't think people necessarily get, people don't really know too much about the farm bill, right? They know what it is. They write, oh yeah, it's the farm bill. but They don't recognize the work that has to go in. I mean, it is not, Six seven people sitting around going okay, let's write a farm bill. You're talking about thousands of people involved in a farm bill. It's thousands of pages. It comes from all kinds of things that are involved in the farm bill, whether it's forestry to agriculture, um, rural development. There's a lot of things that the USDA touches. So talk a little bit about you know what you guys are doing with the farm bill, if you wouldn't mind, and maybe some of your, what your priority issues are and what your strategy is going to be going into it. Because come January, you know, right after the first of the year, that thing goes full bore and it's off to the races.
2: Oh yeah. And and it's been a um glad to say been a focus, you know, through the summer and, and before uh for IFPA. A lot of that work is done through the uh the Specially Crop Farm Bill Alliance. So that's a group um that encompasses, you know, talk about um a different approach. That that is um you know more the alliance of of like-minded, but really great representation from across uh the fresh produce industry. Um and a lot of this, you know, it's about it's about how we we protect the investments that that Congress has made in yeah. produce. Um, it, one of the, you know, enlightening moments for me is seeing some of the other groups that are trying to come in and say, oh, we're a specialty crop. We need to have some of that specialty crop money um, flowing our way uh, all the way to decorative stone was one of the more um, interesting ones that I, I've seen enter that that space. But. I think that that's part of it is taking a look at the programs that are out there that we've, we've gotten that support innovation research, um, as well as, you know, protecting our farmers uh, through a number of programs that are um, risk management focused, but looking at ways that we, we can work uh, with Congress to remind them of the impact of this industry, Mm -hmm. um, of the jobs and economic impact and, and, you know, really pushing to maintain um, and increase where possible the funding that that comes to our growers through those programs so yeah. it's a huge lift the the uh the the individual titles um you know with obviously a, there's a huge focus on nutrition um there is a title that that spends a lot of time on organics and um we do have the opportunity there to to push not just the funding but also to to um to address some of the the concerns that we have with the structure and say, you know, we need to make sure that there's representation um, in the stakeholder relationships from our people and also from from the uh from the scientific background. And say, you know, we've got to have technical expertise when we're moving from a recommendation from NOSB that's got limited scientists on that board. I mean, it's got living a grower. It's a 15 person panel. It's great. It's essential. It's a huge part of the process, but it can't be the only part. And that's, right. um, you know, that that is the kind of thing that beyond the funding where we're able to um, to voice. And I mean, I think that that's reflective, not just of this Farm Bill conversation, but the previous one where we're able to to, um, to weigh in, you know, those things that take an act of Congress. Um, mm-hmm. We're not going to get a standalone bill that says, you know, how many votes do you need on an NOSB proposal? Um, but that's the type of thing, at least in the last farm bill, that we were able to uh, to get some attention to.
0: Thanks for joining the Todd Versation. And now a word from our sponsor. Hi, this is Nelia Alamo at Calavo. Thanks for listening to Todd Versations. At Calavo, we are the family of fresh. For almost 100 years, our passion has been bringing delicious and nutritious food to your table. From tasty, wholesome produce to our freshly prepared foods, Calavo is a global leader in the finest quality produce and a pioneer of healthy, fresh-cut fruits, vegetables, and prepared foods. Whether it's our farm-fresh avocados, tomatoes, Hawaiian papayas, or chef-inspired solutions including fresh-cut fruits, veggies, guacamole, and much more, Calavo takes pride in delivering our fabulously fresh products every day. It's our promise from our foodie family to yours. Check us out at calavo.com and learn why we are excited about your fresh possibilities ahead.
1: That's good. No, look, it's a big process. And, you know, when you think about it, getting involved in the farm bill, you know, knowing what the views are of your representative, because not every rep, you know, you take a look around the map of this, this country there's a lot of representatives in Congress that have no ag in their districts are very limited ag. And so, you know, and they're making ag decisions. So you've got to make sure that, again, this is one of those things that the beauty of the process that we have in this country is that we can participate in the process, right? Absolutely. All through. And I think it's something that we, we, don't do enough of it we come down to like well somebody did that heavy lifting for me right um it, much like what i think some consumers think when they look at the retail like oh they're doing the heavy lifting for me i don't need to think about stuff right it's the same thing we but we've got to be a part of this in order to make changes that are going to be for the you know for the good of all of us to make the ball go down the field so i think it's important so i appreciate the work you guys do on that isn't it is a it's a big job the farm bill is a massive massive
2: undertaking yeah, I mean, it's interesting you talk about um, the process, and and there's definitely friends of mine who hear that that my role is, is as a lobbyist now, and they hear lobbying and think it's a four-letter word, and you're right, not every congressman is a farmer as well. There are some that are, and that's great, and we're, we're, we're glad to have them representing us many times on the agriculture committees, but sure, we look at the way we weigh in on the process you know, I especially when things move from from the legislation into the regulation, um, you know, Congress isn't—they're not able to write a bill on the the details of agriculture without input from the farmers. I mean, that that's 100%. essential. That that's, and it's it's the way we're built. That's not their—it's not their full job to to know everything about every minute part of the process. So, um, you know, it, it's. It's interesting seeing the places where, again, I'm still green behind the ears when it comes to the government relations piece and and yeah. uh, leaning in there. But it, it's it's a lot like association membership, which is where I do have, have more time that it's about taking the voices of the people that are in this day in and day out and lifting up those voices. So, yeah, for sure. Got that opportunity.
1: Yeah, no, 100 percent agree with you. Well, look, you guys got, you know, you guys are coming, uh, pulling the curtain back. Orlando show coming up. First one in a while. I'm sure everybody's stoked. I'm sure everybody's getting pumped up about, you know, or you know, the road trip, getting back into the you know, the Orange County Convention Center and uh talk a little bit about uh what people should be expecting, what's going on, the whole nine yards. I don't
2: know say whatever the hell you want. Man, I where to begin. I'm I'm pumped. I, I don't think I need to uh to show it off here, but before we got on camera, I showed you my uh
1: You got your CMA shirt
2: throwback shirt. Um I'm a believer in this show and what we can do when we get together. Um, and I say this show, uh, obviously, you know, we we haven't, haven't had something like this in a few years, and that's only building up the, uh, the pressure cooker. That is the excitement of the produce industry. Um, but I, I can remember, you know, I brought my parents to, to fresh summit years ago. Um, and I remember telling them beforehand that they, they came to new Orleans, um, it's not like another trade show, you know. It's the 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 touch, the feel, the smell. The the senses are all firing on all cylinders. And when it comes to the global show this year, we I like to call it the big show. When we get to the big show this year, it, there's going to be a lot that's familiar, um, but it's something new. It's it's just like IFPA is a new animal. This is a new animal. And talking with Kathy about it recently, the way she's been relating it is that it's it's not just about showing up. It's about how you show out it's about coming here and we're getting together so that we can take the industry to the world so we can get get out afterwards we can go to capitol hill we can go to your consumers we can go to the places where we show up and go bigger and go smarter and go with those connections that we've made and the, those ideas that have come about um there are things that are going to happen i mean I I told you I I want to stick away from the nitty gritty if I can on this because I'm not not the show guy anymore, but looking at what the show team is doing differently um, that I'm really excited about as a guy who just has poured hundreds, thousands of hours into into produce conventions um, and planning. I spent a long time um, working on the business service providers for for PMA and trying mm-hmm. to build up that group. It's a surprisingly big part of the membership. They've been a big part of the show. I always say, you know, you bring the growers and the retailers. Everybody in the middle and supply chain wants to be at the party too. Sure, well, those guys are getting a little extra love this year. We're opening the show floor um, for that that section specifically earlier on Thursday afternoon and what I love about that is that that's the opportunity for the growers to say hey we have dedicated time now we don't have to fly from this packaging provider to this transportation guy to this logistics this um, technology provider you can go spend some dedicated time see all of them Um, another thing I'm really excited about a lot of like quick hit choose your own adventure education Right. And cover a lot of ground quickly. Um, We've got to make good use of people's time when they're there. And and that's part of it. Um, There will be an organic session as a part of that. Um, I'll lead a discussion about, you know, getting a, getting a little bit of a different perspective on the regulations um, with, with a certifier and saying, all right, let's lay it out. The good, the bad and the ugly, because there's a lot coming up and there's a lot, you know, We can't be late to that party because decisions are being made. That's going to really affect the way that we go to market. So Mm -hmm. um, a lot to happen at the big show. Organics will be there. Um, I'm excited about that. That's good. Yeah.
1: That's exciting. Well, I know, you know, looking forward to going to
2: Orlando. It's like my 9,000th time
1: I've been to (laughs) Orlando. (laughs) But yeah, it's unless
2: you're going to see Mickey Mouse, man. You know, there's there's what else you need to do in Orlando? You put the miles in on the show floor. Well, what, my standard answer to that would be to leave Orlando, but I won't say that out loud. Well, <laughs> there's a time for that. When, when you leave Orlando, I want your brain to be busting with ideas. There, there I, you I go. You need to be sore. I got, here we go. I'm getting ready right now. Got my Dr. Shoals here. I'm going to be uh, getting You're ready. You're going hard. I love it. You're going hard in the pain. my miles. I love it. Anything exciting coming up besides? I mean, obviously, this show is one thing, but what anything
1: new and exciting for 2023 for IPA to be mindful of or to be
2: thinking about? I mean, I think there's some things, uh, there's some things that that we'll have to uh, that we'll have to hold on until it's the right time to bring uh, it to the light. But I, I think I think from a from a thirty thousand foot standpoint, what we're excited about is year two. You know, let's have that happy birthday party for IFPA and let's get out of the baby blues and uh, and and really hit our stride. Baby blues oh, is the wrong thing. I think it's been an incredible first year so far. Um, but I, I I just think um, the way our leadership is set with, with Kathy and I think at Lauren Scott, um, I worked for her for uh, a while when I was in membership and, and love the inspirational take that she brings to conversations. It's it's about accelerating. I mean, like I said, I think I think we, we've got a first year to be really proud of. I think we we answered the call um, and now it's now what? And it's about, yeah. about keeping the pedal down. And about moving quickly um, leveraging those key key events but also you know we've had a year the those of us who were spending time in dc to uh to get from people familiar with the new name well it's about keeping pushing on um on those issues as well so sure well it. yeah year two is well, where, it, where it's gonna light you, up
1: well you make a really good point and it's not and it's not like you know you guys just put the shingle out front and we're starting with this little tiny mom pa thing right? I mean, you've put the shingle out front and you've got this massive organization that's already in the water, essentially. It's, you know, two separate boats coming together. And now you're trying to figure out how to paddle both. I mean, yeah, it it was an undertaking. So I can imagine, I can imagine that the first few months had to just be freaking chaos in a lot of ways, just trying to figure out what's next and how it's going to move forward. That'd be a lot to it. I mean, it's, it was a big
2: undertaking. There's no doubt. Absolutely. A big undertaking. I mean, there was more runway than, uh, than the industry got to see, you know, the, the board and and then uh, the staff had had a little while to start figuring things out that, mm-hmm. like I said, this, this time last year, you know, I, I already felt like I was a part of the team in DC and government relations, and I hadn't even inherited this giant title officially yet. Um, so, I mean, I've been a part of the, the, the Robert Gunther's GR team, um, you know, almost a year and a half, uh, not quite, I guess, but, you know, so we, we've been working at it for a while, but I, I, when it first came about and I sat with Lauren, um, who is, you know, she's our, our strategy person, but she's got, um, she's got more marketing sense than, than most people you'll ever meet. And I said, Hey, you know, here's a marketing opportunity. We are brand new and we have so much history. And it, yeah. it, let's celebrate the first birthday. Let's celebrate the hundred and whatever birthday it would have been for United. Um, because we, we get to have our cake and eat it too. In that scenario, we we've got the best of both of those things. I love um, it. A clean slate uh, with a strong foundation. And, and that's been exciting to be a part of.
1: I love it. Yeah. Cool. Dude. Totally cool. Thank you. Come, thanks for hanging out and sharing a little bit, man. Thanks for giving people a little bit of the, you know, what's going on and, and uh, get excited about the show and obviously some of the things that are important that are out there some topics to get people mindful of and you know bottom line it's about participation that's the beauty of what you guys are about i mean you guys are just like working with the the usda or any other branch you know that we have in the government it's like participate find out ask questions get involved it's terribly important that you know we come unified we try to do something we try to build a better place for everybody right and that's what that's 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 a big lift and a big undertaking i commend you guys for what you've accomplished so far and i'm sure that uh, the future is going to be bright and full of some pretty cool stuff
2: yeah i appreciate that and i, I think you hit the nail on the head i mean what, what we're doing is bringing people together creating a vibrant future and and participation's huge in that in my years with the association the people that spend the most time with it are the people that get the most out of it but i would just tell your listeners you know if you don't mind me plugging here um uh, i'll see you at the show but shoot anybody that that here's this, you want to know more about anything we talked about and hit me directly. Don't worry about that long last name, George S at freshproduce.com. Um, let's start the conversation there and I'll, I'll get you the the real experts uh, in our deep roster of, of who can take care of you. But that's always been my thing. I, I don't know everything we do, but I know who knows. And right um, that that's, that's uh, the beauty of the association. So I love
1: it. We'll come back anytime, dude. Open invitation. We'd love okay. to have you and uh, I'll see you. I'll see you so- shortly. And, uh, you know, I think it's great. Keep it up, brother. Let me know how to help. Thanks. I'll see you at the show. No doubt. Everybody, thanks for watching. Thanks for listening. Thanks for hanging out with us. We appreciate you. Don't forget, check us out on social media, TLC underscore conversations. Like I always say, we're there because that's what cool kids are. So that's where we hang out. We appreciate you very much. Thanks for everything that you do and rating and reviewing and subscribing and all that fun stuff. We really do appreciate We appreciate where this platform is heading and, and the things that we're doing, the amount of people we're touching on a monthly basis. It's pretty special. So thanks to all of you for making it happen. We appreciate you. Take care. Remember, go inspire somebody today. It's terribly important. You can do it. It's not hard to do. Just say hi to somebody and you win the day. Thanks, everybody. Take care. We'll see you soon.